0: And welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, a music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, Curtis Dewar. Hello, Matt. Well, okay, I don't know why you sound so down today, Curtis. I'm just um,
1: fucking with
0: you. Okay. And then also we have our lovely guest and also the the host of or the, the editor in
1: chief, the, the owner, the CEO. Yes, the,
0: the guy who gives us traction. Keith Tchotchkes oh. of Ghost Coal Magazine. Sup? So, Keith, what are we talking about today? We're talking about
2: the brand new Tool album. Are you going to use this the
0: entire time? No, I'm just fucking fucking with you. Okay. Anyway, brand new Tool album. So, before we get into, like, all the marketing and stuff, let's just, because everyone's going to want to know, um, initial thoughts from both of you guys.
1: I have not heard it yet, and I am I am not ashamed to admit it. I have not heard it yet.
0: Jesus Christ, Chris. Okay. I'm just
1: following the marketing plan of it because I'm trying to like just see. I'm trying to what what I'm trying to do right now is just see everyone else's reactions to the marketing, and then I want to take a listen later. But like, I just think it's an inter- It'd be an interesting thing just to see how everyone reacts to it, and then take check take a listen to it later because usually tool takes like for me at least five or six listens before I really get into it. So if it's anything like 10,000 days, I'm probably gonna think it sucks at first, and I'm probably gonna think it sucks the second, third, fourth, and fifth time, and then probably the sixth time I'm gonna go, this is the best thing I've ever heard.
2: Okay, that's fair.
1: Yeah.
2: Keith, what have your thoughts been? Well, I have a different experience than most. I was fortunate and lucky enough to go listen to the album before anyone else or before a few dozen people uh at RCA's record label in Manhattan. So I got to do a preview of the album and then I got to stream the album maybe 12 hours before it was wide released and write my review. I love the record, but I expect what I expect from Tool. I didn't expect it to be groundbreaking or brand new. Some of it actually is. Um and I think it's excellent. Most of the songs are great. You know it's a shorter record if you just count the songs, but in terms of quality it was worth the wait.
0: What did you think of it, Matt?
2: Um, I thought it was, you know,
0: I thought it was good. I thought it wasn't a lot of surprises. I thought it very much sounded like a record that a generation of white men waited 13 years to hear.
1: Whoa, there's the hot take of the day.
0: <laughs> like, like I don't know. Like, like, it's pretty, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's a prog record. It's very good. But that's, that's where we're at. It's no Jimmy Buffett? It's no Jimmy Buffett. Um, it's no Sonic poetry. Um... <laughs> No, it's, it's very good. And it's clearly interesting and thoughtful and well done. Now, there's a lot about the marketing of this that I think is interesting that we want to pick apart, right? So first of all, let's talk about the packaging, because we were talking about this as we were prepping for this. Keith, tell me your thoughts on the pack- packaging here.
2: Well, you know, a very interesting idea. I think there was a lot of mystery about this uh, a month ago. I think we were on I was listening to a podcast with you guys and Curtis opined that maybe they're going to do some stuff at the last minute and not release it or yeah. only release certain versions of it, which is actually true. Came true. Yeah. It's the a prediction. Um, they have not yet released the vinyl. They have not released certain bundles of the record. There are two versions, three versions of the record. There's the CD slash physical package of the record, which is about $45 USD for you Canadians and other people listening. Uh, and there's the digital version, and I think one of the interesting things here is Tool was off, you know, until three weeks ago. They were never on streaming. This was a thing for them. Part of it apparently was I just found out there was also a snafu with their digital rights that they didn't even know about. Somehow, I don't know how they got into this process. <laughs> they didn't know that they had to kind of clear their own digital rights because they had a big lawsuit. Not the lawsuit that's delayed the record, but the previous lawsuit with the record label like 15, 20 years ago that they resolved a while back. But um, so there's two versions of the record. The full record is only available on digital because it's longer than a CD and obviously longer than a single vinyl. So apparently when the vinyl comes out, it will have to be a double version, a double LP. And then the digital version is... Uh, Obviously, the extended full-length album with interludes and stuff people love or hate. Um, Mm -hmm. But the packaging is really brilliant. Um, The CD, I know a lot of people were bagging on the artwork. Alex Gray, the famous visual artist, uh, has once again collaborated with the band. And if you just look at the image, it looks like a swirly bunch of eyeballs. I posted a meme on our Instagram that looked like the inside of a washing machine, um, because that's kind of what it looks like. But when you see the physical, as usual with Tool, when you see the whole package, like a Picasso or a Matisse, it becomes, you know, full in view and you understand it. So there's, you know, uh, there's, uh, you know, fly leaf and there's packaging and there's extra artwork. It's not just this one visual thing. That's an album cover piece of art. There's an entire sort of thing that comes along with it, including... An HD TV screen with custom content that uh, is apparently only exclusive to this, and they're not going to release separately. I know people are posting the YouTube videos of their cell phone coverage of this thing, but apparently, it's you got to see it to believe it. Is basically the album artwork come to life? Did, were you shown that
1: at yet. the release? Were you shown? I was that?
2: not. No. I was not. We went into the listening party. It was myself and two other magazine slash website people uh who also followed their reviews about the same time i did preview and then a review um we heard it on a awesome sound system off of a macbook Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we did hear the full version of the album not the short version i did not see the the physical i did not get a lyric sheet i did get to copy the song titles off of what amounts to an itunes playlist with the times
1: just fyi i just looked it up on amazon canada
2: it's selling for 130 dollars so it's sold out of the pre-order, and so people are reselling theirs, uh, of yeah. course, predictably. Yeah.
1: yeah, so if you bought, so if you got the CD, you can go make some money right now.
0: And it's crazy that they sold out of the pre-order. Like, think about that.
1: Well, yeah, like, pre- well, not just that, but it, it like, yeah, it, it, like, especially in this day and age, it's, fucking, it's insane. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. It's, yeah, like, I mean, everybody's saying you can't sell CDs, but this is kind of like... You know tools just basically just did a big f you to everybody and said no you can't i don't know how many they made do you guys know
2: i don't but i do know this and matt can also talk about his experience with uh, ripple and prophecy i know that labels like victory and nuclear blast do anywhere from three to ten thousand pre-order packages like the bundles when they make a bundle that's a thing and the vinyl and the cd and a shirt it's it's a fixed amount. A lot of these bigger labels have their own pressing plant. They have their own merch, you know, machine basically like Victory in Chicago. Uh, I'm sure it's a lot smaller for Prophecy and Ripple. Probably a couple of thousand for Prophecy. I'm guessing probably if, you know maybe many you know a few limited edition hundreds for some of the Ripple artists, the higher end ones. So I mean for Tool, you know they were predicting like hundreds of thousands of these. I also know from some friends of mine that own record shops that even the record shops that aren't major chains were given very limited amounts to sell in the first place. Yep. So I can see it being kind of a, you know, deprivation strategy, not on purpose, cause tool is evil, but this is how many record stores are in the country. This is how many record stores are big chains. This is how many people want to carry this important album coming out. And there's only a certain amount to give each. And so, you know, you create like the McRib for McDonald's, a deprivation strategy where people want this thing. So the next yeah. release, the restock, the vinyl release, anything else they do, a big bundle, is going to go gangbusters for even more money, probably.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's, it's uh, sort of like, if you remember when they rolled out the Nintendo Wii and how it was impossible <laughs> to get a Wii. Yeah, like,
1: well, they do, that. they do that all the time with video games, and you can buy them on the, from a reseller for like 5k the next week and then like two months later they're back in stock you know yeah so but here here's the thing though is is the key question is going to be are they going to is the next batch they do going to be the same special edition or is it going to be just like a regular cd you know what i mean
2: I don't have a confirmation on that, but I have to imagine they're going to put out just a regular old CD at some point for a regular price point. Uh, You know, it's very interesting that streaming hasn't affected the price of brand new CDs much Mm -hmm. at all, despite the fact that the reason streaming and torrenting and downloading took hold in the first place in the collective consciousness is because the price of CDs was too damn high, like the rent too damn high. Yeah. And so, you know, I, fi- I find it kind of shocking that Walmart can still sell a CD for $14. <laughs> you know, I well, know. I, well, it's because
0: the people who buy CDs were never, are, are not the demographic who A cares and B is going to spend money on, or, or, you know, A cares and B who is like down to spend money on something, right? And I think with Tool especially, like owning the CD is actually like, there's, actual, there's an actual value add there that you don't usually get, you know? And I think it's sort of like, you know, like Prophecy Productions kind of profits because we have the the black metal super nerd fan, you know, who wants that special edition, right? And Tool has those sorts of fans, but a lot of them are used to just getting a stream because no one's really given, like no one's done a special edition of this caliber at this level maybe ever right and tool realizes that they have a fan base who want that
1: except yeah. for weekend clan clan
0: yeah but even that was different i, I know. know that I was the martin's crelly edition fair i love fair. that, I that mean, that's a thing oh yeah main, right like the,
1: the main takeaway is that you need like if you have stellar packaging or if you have if you have it like if you market it correctly, you can still sell CDs, I think, is the main takeaway out of the tool, really, so far, in addition, like, just for CD sales. I mean, would you guys not agree?
0: That's a big takeaway. It's not the, the sole takeaway for me, but I think it's impressive to see. I was shocked that there was no initial vinyl edition.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I I, I, I thought I'd heard that there was one, but I must have...
0: Yeah. The fact that they didn't do that was kind of ballsy, but again, it's also tool has a fan base who are around 40 who are largely white, largely middle, upper class, right. Because they were getting these records when they were teenagers and -hmm. they were nerdy records to get into. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, so it's, it's a demographic that like has some money to spend on a record like that. Right. And you know, so a lot we're of
1: more stuff. interested in it is probably more like it because the guy like people mining mining Keith's stage range are more inclined to buy the album because that's what we did when we grew up. Exactly. You know, so it's not necessarily just that they want that they always want a physical product. I don't think. But I think it's more like if you have a band like Tool or at a band like Iron Maiden or even Nirvana, let's say if they came out with something. <laughs> people our age would probably be more inclined to buy the physical product that was in a in a good package just because of the nostalgia factor like you said
0: yeah there's a nostalgia factor of i'm buying a tool record now the same way i bought a tool record when i was
1: but souped suit up souped up deluxe because i mean when enema came out or enema however you say it i mean all they had was a fucking hologram on the cover like i don't remember any additional packaging do you keep
2: Well, not additional packaging, but if you took the booklet and sort of inserted it different pages into the hologram, it definitely had a 3d effect. And then if you remember, 10,000 days and lateralis also had, you know, incredible visual packaging that made use of like 3d and lenticular glasses and stuff. So this is just one more step for them to do a to actually get like basically a baby iPad or Nook with your album to go look at exclusive content that isn't going to compare when you see somebody else's video of it. Uh, coincidentally, Nirvana put out a live album and DVD on Friday from uh, a concert from 1993, ironically. Really? Yeah, live and loud. Check it Nirvana, out.
1: Nirvana got lost in the shuffle?
0: Yes, a little bit. <laughs> but, see, but this is what's crazy to me, right? Is that like, if you put out a record in the last two weeks, you were fucked.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure, because I've had clients that normally would get really good placements that haven't got anywhere near than what they normally would just because of the fiasco of the last. I mean, like yeah, Taylor Swift drop, you had Cheryl Pro dropped, you know, Entombed AD dropped. Um, Entombed AD and... dropped? See,
0: I didn't even know that. And I like, I'm very much an Entombed fan.
1: Yeah, they I found that out on Friday and then you know you had the as they Lay dying track two weeks ago or three weeks ago, Slipknot a couple weeks ago. Like it's like it's not even fall yet and it's already stacked. Usually this starts happening in November or October, right? But I guess everybody learned their lesson and wanted to go ahead this year, except they're just it's like a fucking flood just went off, right? But I mean, yeah, I mean when you got like when it's like this is such a stacked fucking week. I mean Cheryl Frickin' Crow is doing her last album. And who, who knew about that? I didn't know about that. Did you guys? Ditto. Did not know. Yeah. yeah like I found it on a Friday and apparently it's like her retirement album. And this is like, she's won a couple Grammys and, you know, one of the best selling female artists, I think of all time. So, you know, it's a pretty stacked week. So, I mean, I guess, but the main, but the main, again, coming right back to the marketing end of things, like where Tool did, uh, did right. is they started this whole campaign, like months and months ago, I mean, if you think about it, like they had the Justin Bieber tweet and the whole fiasco there, which landed them in Buzzfeed, like we talked about before. Uh, what else did they do? They went on Joe Rogan. I mean, they did like this time. They did it right. They had a full marketing machine going, and so did Taylor Swift. But like Cheryl Crow, as far as I know, did. I guess they just kind of thought it, she would kind of coast on her legacy, right? So I, I guess, also
0: think that the three of us are not very much in Cheryl Crow's demographic. Oh, I love Cheryl Crow.
1: But but Cheryl Crow and the Taylor Swift demographic are kind of similar.
2: Oh sure. I will I will mention that Ghost Cult covered Cheryl Crow along with Liz Fair and Eddie Vedder solo at a music festival in Arizona this spring because we do cover Cheryl Crow and other artists like her. But yes, she did a very un, like a very low key release, mostly aimed at her fans. It's covers with collaborators. Still. And it's very low key. I didn't hear much or anything about it. Uh, until I was making my at- weekly post, the new music that's program. how I found out about it, Keith. Was that Ghost Premier. Cult does every Friday morning that has the yeah. list. And I usually, you know, as my way of making sure uh, unsung and other albums get promoted, I list by links and stream links and things like that. And, and that's um, the reason why I found out about it was through you. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so
0: this is like, so don't be afraid. I just want to clarify this, especially if you're like looking at doing your first album or you're, you know, you're a smaller band and you're not like if you're independently releasing right that means that you're not as tied to a production schedule as a label might be yeah you know um so what that you know because like with a, with a label like there's releases you know with especially with a bigger label you've got releases coming out every week or like in ripple's case every other week so it's kind of like it's hard for it's hard for ripple to move something yeah right you know uh Prophecy maybe has a little more flexibility because it's a slightly different release pattern. Um, We do three every three weeks, basically. But like, the takeaway is that, you know, you see this coming, like it was announced. You could see the the tool record coming. Just change your release date, it's okay.
1: Yeah, well, you know what was really smart? Bacchanus originally was going to release this Friday. And as soon as they found out the tool was coming, because, I mean, Prog, they're also kind of Proggy, right? Moved it's it just, right away.
0: They're in the rock field domain, which yeah. already means they should just not be there. They should just well, not yeah, release that day.
1: Exactly. But then, reversely, there's some other bands decided to release today, any or sorry, on Friday anyways. And it was kind of like, you know, I still got my releases covered, but I can tell you right now they probably would have done a lot better without the Tool push and the Taylor Swift push and the Slipknot push,
0: but here and the knock Loose right. push,
1: yeah, knock Loose and... in Tomb All uh, Mike Courtney's band. I keep forgetting what their what their name is. There was Sons a lot of, of stuff.
2: Huh? Sons of Apollo, who are a great live band, live by the way. live DVD Blu-ray. Yeah.
1: Um, but anyways, it's just oh, Sabaton. I think was another one that came out. But anyways, there was like a ton of fucking stuff, right? So, but here, but here's
0: the thing: it's like, and, the, and what's important, right? Is that even though? Okay, so here's something I want to point point out: is that yes, these people have the same. Um, you know, these people might have different core demographics. You know, a Sabaton fan does not look like a Tool fan does not look like. Um, but they're I don't all into the same coverage. Yeah, exactly. They're all they're all angling at the same sites. Yeah, one hundred percent. They're you all know,
1: going after Metal Sucks. They're all going after Metal Injection Decibel. You name
0: it. And so that, that's, I think, something really important that people don't necessarily grasp, is that, like, they're going after the same people. You're, you're still, like, you know, like, like
2: a you're post on Metal Sucks,
0: with- there's only 15 posts on Metal Sucks max in a day, and, now, you know, now five of them are going to be Tool.
1: Well, and the other thing, too, is that they're even competing with Taylor Swift because, I mean, Taylor Swift was still mention- mentioned at the Odd Metal Sweat site. Yeah. Know? So it was rare, but it did happen every once in a while.
0: I also wanted to point out how hilarious it was that on that day, um, Metallica, uh, Metal Sucks mentioned Metallica Tool and Slipknot in every
1: uh, yeah.
0: article title. That killed me.
1: That was fucking amazing. Ben, uh, ben did a that was a phenomenal idea by Ben or Axel whoever the hell it was that was amazing, but um, but here's here's another key thing I want to point out. This is why your need for PR is even more glaringly obvious. Because if you don't have somebody pushing you, when this type of stuff's going on, you're going under and you're not going to get any attention whatsoever. I mean, if if the, if a PR is going to have, have to do a major push for you just to get you covered during these weeks. You're not going to get anything if nobody knows who you are. It's just a fact. Like, I mean, if you're competing against Slipknot as they lay dying, Taylor Swift, Sheryl Crow and uh, tool just for starters, you're going to get nowhere. If you're just trying to self promote, Like, and, if you're trying, if you're and, trying and to again, sell
0: it, 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 like with Taylor Swift, you're not necessarily competing for s- coverage with Taylor Swift,
1: but it's the but, eyeballs and the attention.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, People are only going to spend so much time thinking, listening to, or reading about music in a day.
1: And I want to point out, a journalist like Matt, who writes for Metal Injection, spent a good chunk of his day listening to Taylor Swift on the day of the release.
0: I've been tweeting about Taylor Swift basically every day. Like, I got caught. Call- well, there you lunch- go. I had lunch today with um, Toby from
2: KODOT, and he was making fun of me about this.
1: Well, there you go. Keith, were you, were you listening to Taylor Swift at all,
2: or-, or no? I don't believe I have ever heard a Taylor Swift song in my entire life, on purpose. Really? No, I'm kidding. I've probably heard a few. I have really not been paying attention to her release. I know Lana Del Rey has a new album as well, or a new her single too. that everybody that's is great. talking about. I'm not aware mm-hmm. of. I hear things about Lizzo as an up-and-coming artist, but she dissed all journalists because they weren't musicians. Hello, to oh, journalists yeah. and musicians on this phone call right here, uh, on this podcast. And uh, so I'm a, I'm a no one. That's a no for me, dog. And uh, forever. <laughs> And um, yeah, just not my thing, you know? I don't need any more sappy love songs about boys in my life, I'm good.
1: But, but let me ask you this, a lot of your writers were probably paying attention to Taylor Swift, were they not?
2: It's possible, it's possible. I can't speak for all their tastes. It's possible, I'm sure some but, of them were. Some of them so, have good taste. Or none. <laughs> but
1: anyway, back, back to what we're talking about, now that Keith is telling us we're terrible, no, I'm just kidding, Keith. Uh but I mean here it's true. You you are competing against all these people just for the attention because of the fact that a lot of these people that are into metal are into Taylor Swift, they are into Lana Del Rey, who I forgot about. No Kifi mention, mentioned her again. Right. So I mean it's just there's like a huge when you got all these superstars and these very well known people releasing, you need to have that other extra push behind you. And I mean it just helps because otherwise you're not gonna get the attention of someone like Matt. Who's listening to Taylor Swift because someone has to go in and say hey Matt you want to go check out this new death metal album instead get your nose out of Taylor Swift butt for two minutes or
0: Correct. you know knocked loose like I've spent like I don't think people understand like the disgusting amount of time I've spent listening to knocked loose and talking about it with a
2: certain decibel writer <laughs> um like is
1: uh, is uh Keefe have you heard the knocked loose by chance
2: I have it's excellent uh can't wait to see them in Brooklyn soon
0: yeah, I was I was just looking at that. I'm going to be um, in Australia, unfortunately.
2: Oh, rats! But awesome so- that you'll be in Australia. I was very what, proud of that humble
0: brag, what, just for the record. What,
1: what are you What are you doing in Australia?
0: Oh, we didn't talk about this. Um, no, we haven't. Just as an aside, what are
1: you doing in Australia?
0: Um, as an aside, uh, Mister Worldwide checking in. Um, I am giving some talks and masterclasses in Perth at the West Australian Music Conference in the beginning of November.
1: Okay, i got to say, it sounded like you said you were masturbating. And masturbating. Did you say master
2: class or master class? I said master class, yes. Oh, Curtis. I had to so, knock him
1: down. I had to knock him down. I'm are sorry. you going
2: to get to see our friend Monica Strutt? That would be amazing. Um, hopefully. I don't know yet. I have to figure that out.
1: Well, he's in Perth and she's in Melbourne. Is,
0: yeah, isn't... but I'm mostly going to be in Sydney too, but we'll figure it out. I'm not. I'm not I right.
1: But either way, even if, even if he doesn't see Monica, he, he can still give her a shout out in his speech.
0: Right, Matt? I can. I can give Monica a shout out in my talk. Anyway, so that's coming up. But okay, but to circle back on the tool, one of the things I find really fascinating about this whole process has been the way that the band has all, uh, and this is really important, is that they've clearly made a point of communicating in a similar consistent way. Yep. Right? Like, as opposed to Slipknot, where sometimes I feel like Slipknot is a bit of a hodgepodge, for lack of a better term. You know, like, sometimes they accidentally – and it's harder when you're nine dudes as opposed to five. But, like, simultaneously, let's be real. There's only, like, five dudes in Slipknot anyone cares about. Yeah. Like, 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 would that be correct, Keith? You have a bit more of a nose for the culture than I do. But. I think that's
2: probably fair. I think the other guy, you know, Jay gives interviews, but I think Jay came in as a name guy with his famous dad, even though he's an incredible drummer. Uh, Clown and, and Corey obviously run the band, and I think Jim and Mick are also been there the longest, and, you know, it's kind of their band also. And, you know, nothing against, you know, Love Sid the Kid, DJ Sid, and Tortilla Guy, who we already know who he is, by the way. Um, Wait, who's Tortilla Guy? Can we have them- yeah, yeah. Tort- Tortilla Guy is almost certainly a guy from Clown's solo band, one of his earlier oh, projects. Yeah. Oh, it's been that. very well revealed. It's not a big deal. The guy's talented. They might have used a different guy when they did the TV appearance in May based on hand tattoos. I've spent too much time looking at these YouTube videos. Jesus House Christ. House of Masks on YouTube, shout out. That guy's good. He's uncovering his stuff. But... um. Yeah, I think it's true. You're absolutely right. I think with Tool, they've had a concerted effort about their interview style. They've actually been very, you know, I know for all the grief that Maynard gets, I feel like they've all been very humble and insecure about how they felt the album was going to do or be received because of the same things the fans were griping about. Like, are we relevant anymore? Is anyone really going to care? Are they going to just be mad the second they hear it, no matter what it is? Like, I think it's very refreshing that they all said the things fans were thinking. And um, and some people are just going to hate it, no matter what it was. And, yeah. and I think the problem, the, the, conversely, I think with Slipknot, the problem is what does Corey Taylor think about this is a thing. And yeah. so that kind of takes away sometimes, I think, just because he is so ubiquitous, a guy in the scene, culturally, in, in music and rock and metal, that it takes away a little bit from the, the sort of concerted effort that Slipknot should be trying to have but you know look they dominated the news cycle basically from Ramstein to Tool it was nothing but Slipknot and a little bit of other things Mr. Bungle for a day you know a few things. Uh, I I want
0: to point something out about this though right there's a lot of value to having a concerted um interview style for your band you know and and being clear like like I was talking about this with uh, Kayla and Nikla, who are on uh, Artifact, who I work with. I had dinner with them last night, right? And that's a band where there's a, like, like they're very picky about social media copy and very, you know, that is what they want and that is, you know, but that's important, right? Is that they because it means there's a clear vision across all the band members and it means that they can sort of eloquently express themselves and remain consistent, right? No. And that's important, you know, as I think, I think a lot of people, you know, maybe the bass player gives an interview and oh, we know the bass player is a fucking idiot. But like, you need to make sure among across the band, like, what, what are we trying to stand for? What are we trying to look like? You know what I mean? Like, what what do we want the takeaway to be when people read an interview? regardless of the band member. I mean, you know, and obviously there's going to be like one guy or two guys who are sort of the main people, you know, and maybe the eloquent guys, but like, it's happened before that, you know, the, the new bass player got roped into an interview and did it. And he needs to have some clue about the voice that you're trying to get. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Or, or maybe, you know, for whatever reason, the journalist is a bass player, so he wanted to interview the bassist, um, or or whatever. You get what I'm trying to say. Totally. And I, th- I think that's I think that's important, right? Is to, and then furthermore, it's important because it means that when the singer says some dumb bullshit, the rest of the band has a leg to stand on and calling them out. Yep. You know, and saying, look, you shouldn't have said it that way. You should have done this instead. Yada yada yada. Um. And I think that's where a lot of bands fall down is that they don't have a consistent presentation across it, you know, and, you know, and you can have different characters, like look at kiss. That's a band who had a bunch of different characters as a part of it, but nevertheless, you know, they, uh, you know, but they, they still have consistent messaging. 100%.
1: Yeah, that is, that is totally correct. If you, if you have a consistent message all across when you're releasing that that goes along long ways than being than anything else you could possibly do but one one thing also I want to point out just about tool though at the same time is it appeared to me and correct me if I'm wrong on this Keith that they were also not marketing to the core fan base as much as they were trying to market to the broad rock fan am I mistaken in thinking that because I'm just thinking that with the Joe Rogan interview and with the Justin Bieber feud right
2: well, I'm going to say this. I think that the feud was not a gaffe. I think it wasn't on per. I don't know that it was on purpose, but it wasn't a gaffe. I think in terms of Maynard personally, he thinks all this is a joke and never wanted to be a rock star. Even if you hate Tool and hate Maynard, I highly recommend his book uh, that came out a couple of years ago. His autobiography is really interesting insight into him as an artist. He pretty much co-wrote it uh, with a guest writer uh, who interviewed his family and friends in him. It's mm-hmm. Very warts and all. And he talks about he never really wanted to be a rock star. I think he just likes Joe Rogan. That's why he winds up on Joe Rogan's show. No oh. particular other reason. Joe Rogan's not a good interviewer. I'm I'm sorry to say he should have went on. He's been on what the fuck with Mark Marin. That's a much better, I think, audience for him. And in terms of the broad appeal, I think Tool is just a massively popular band. Ironically, social media has not ever really been their thing. They only yeah. have. I mean, if Slipknot has 17, 18 million fans on Facebook. Tool has less than 3 million. I'm sure that's going to move now, but they really haven't done a lot of, uh, very few ads. I saw some ads on Bladdermouth, I saw some ads on some of the, you know, Blastbeat Network sites, but really very little digital advertising for Tool. I am the Tool demographic, not just a journalist, musically. Yeah. And um, just very strange. I think it was actually, if anything, subdued, despite the fact that it was everywhere, I think in terms of how much pressure they put out, and advertising they put out. They certainly did a lot, but because it's important to the label that this be a hit record. Might be their last, don't know. But I don't I don't really see them courting new like a new swath of fans they never had before. I think this is a new generation of people who are buying their first tool record now. They have never I, bought a tool record.
0: And, and I and I also think that the the average rock fan now is also a tool fan. I think that you know, I, I think there's sort of the stereotype about you know, white dudes who listen to Tool who think their taste is edgy now. Um, you know, and that's de- that's definitely a thing. Like, there's definitely, you know, like, definitely people who think that listening to Tool makes them smart. Again. But
1: here's the thing, is when they came out in the 90s, like, I don't remember that stereotype happening until, like, after, uh, what's the the one that came after Anima Lateralis? Was that one? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely, like, no.
1: But before that, it was like, they were they were lumped in with grunge music, for goodness sakes. You know what I mean? So... I mean, it that, that, that stereotype didn't happen until later. So the guys like, again, me, and mine and Keith Sage are not that part of the demographic. I'm not saying we're dumb. I'm just saying we're not that we don't fit that stereotype.
2: Yeah. I, I have an Stereo- observation. Moment. I have an observation and two questions for you guys actually about this. And I'm, you know, we're probably going to wrap it up, I guess, but, um, I think very interesting, we don't spend any time on this podcast or you guys don't talking about other publicists, but I do want to single out their publicist, Monica, who's a very well-known publicist in the scene. She's at a huge, huge level. She has bands like, you know, Faith No More and Melvin's and, you know, all the patent-associated bands and much more, Failure, things like that. And uh, so she has bands of a certain quality. She has done a great job going back to that point about concerted efforts, everybody on the same page, nobody's going to okie doke the other member in an interview in a brand new album cycle. You know, they know who they are, they know what they are. She's done a fantastic job, not just because they took care of Ghost Cult, which I'm grateful and thankful and humble for, but she has done a fantastic job with this cycle. And I think part of that is, again, you know, I think over the hump of every journalist talking about 13 years and no album and all this stuff, I, I wanted to ask you guys, is some of this sort of backlash against Tool straight up to 2019 internet stuff? Are fans I, not? Were fans? Hold on, let me just finish. Okay. Are fans not listening to Tool because they weren't on streaming except on YouTube from ripped albums for years, and then suddenly Tool's going to be on streaming in a whole. You know, maybe Matt and Curtis, you guys have a take on this that I'm not aware of as a journalist. But uh, I find it strange that there's all this backlash and there's all these people who are discovering Tool, not because of age, but because they were never on streaming. Is it, okay,
0: you know? I'm going to say something here, and you're probably going to get pissed, but this is true, okay? Um, true. As, as I've been pretty open about, uh, in the last two years, um, and very aggressively in the last year and a half since, you know, fixing myself... Um, I've been listening to a bunch of new music. Like I listen to five new uh, six new records every day. Uh, Actually, no, seven new records every day. I'm sorry. Um, And before this, I had never listened to Tool. Uh, And I'm 23 and I probably, I don't think I listened to a full Tool record until this year. Um, And a big part of that is because I have been consuming music on Spotify since I was uh, almost exclusively on Spotify since I was about 16 years old, right? And tool not being on Spotify means that I just never had a chance. And here's the thing, right? Is this isn't this isn't um a new behavior for me? I didn't get into Bob Seeger until Bob Seeger hit Spotify,
1: right? Did you did the ACDC before they hit Spotify. At least tell me that. didn't Yes, you? I did.
0: Okay, good. But but I think that I think you know they're a little more they're on a whole separate level from Bob Seger.
1: Agreed. i'm just was asking
0: no but but that's a good example right and so this is something i think that's important to realize right is that if something isn't on streaming and npr did a great article on this if something isn't on streaming it might as well not be being released
1: well for your demographic for my demographic yes yeah for for probably anyone that's like 20 25 and under i think you're probably right because look at someone like greg kennelty he's a big tool fan and he's been looking forward to the album and he's what, 30 years old. So he's five years older than you or seven, seven years older than you. Yeah. So it would appear to me that it would be the, I don't know what generation you're considered to be. You're not millennial. Generation Z. Generation Z is probably more the ones that are being snarky about it than anyone. Cause it's all the younger guys. I notice. like, under- uh, I
0: think you're probably correct.
1: Yeah and it's probably due to what you're saying is lack of streaming but anyone that grew up in an age where you bought cds or where cds were still around
0: you know yeah, it was fundamental i i also think that there's a certain degree of like just kickback i mean i think it's it's essentially the internet being angry because it's 2019 but i also think there's a certain degree of kickback because it's like it's popular you know even from older people because it's like man i didn't like tool initially yeah. Why do we have to talk about them now?
1: Yeah, but at the same time, I, there's also like Trevor's tweet where he said that he didn't really like them after. I think it was Undertow, but because it's a different genre now. I mean, they they do play yeah. the music's different, so I can understand that. So there could also be that. Like some of the some of the older people, like I said, when they initially came out, they were lumped in with grunge, so they were used to Undertow. So now it might be they might be thinking, well, now I got to make fun of it because now they're more proggy, right? So yeah. That's my two Yeah.
2: The band that was on, o- on Opiate, the EP in 92 that I got into, and Undertow, that was, you know, the massive door opener for them with the Sober video and things. This is not that band anymore. Far, far removed. Not at all. Not at all. So that's probably what's
1: going on with, like, people like Trevor, who are, like, what, 34, 35. And Trevor's 38. Being... Oh, is he 38? Okay. Well, fair enough. He's closer to mine and Keith's age then. Didn't realize that. So you got people like that. And then you got people like me and Keith who got into Edema. And enjoyed that and kind of stayed with it since then. And then you got the other people that are like, oh, fuck, I'm still stuck in Undertow or whatever, right? So,
0: I just want to point out something, before we wrap up, I just want to point out something really funny about me and Curtis's relationship. Is that like, Curtis and I almost never talk about music we actually like listen to on our own. Like, I don't think Curtis has ever made me a serious, uh, non-work-related music recommendation. Like, I'm not even joking. I did, too. I got you uh, forever. Yeah, but can't you can't really take KISS serious. Oh, oh, for, oh no, that, forever. Okay. okay, so okay, so Curtis, correction. Curtis has never made me a metal not, uh, serious user well, recommendation. Do
1: you, do you want to know why that is? Because nowadays, I look at metal as being my job. And then I exactly. think that, i I just the, think that's funny. It's not that I don't like it. it. It's the fact that a lot of times when I'm not working, I don't listen to metal as much because I spend my whole day listening to it.
0: Yeah, when you should be listening to Knocked Loose. Anyway, this has been Dumb and Dumbest. You Keith, let have say something. Keith, let been say something. listening.
1: Hey, let me say something.
2: Keith? Are we done yet?
1: Oh! <laughs> 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 Everything is terrible.